Reedberg's death had been a huge blow. Reedberg was the one who had made a police officer out of him. He had taught Volander to ask the right questions. Through watching him work, Volander had slowly learned how to read the information hidden at the scene of a crime. Before he started working with Reedberg, Volander had been a very average policeman. It was only after many years, after Reedberg's death, that Volander realized he had become not only a stubborn and energetic detective, but a good one. He still held long, silent conversations with Reedberg in his head when he tackled a new investigation and didn't quite know how to proceed. He experienced a brief sense of loss and sadness at Reedberg's absence almost every day. Those feelings would never go away. Then there was his father, who had died unexpectedly. He had collapsed from a stroke in his studio in Lüderup. That was three years ago. Sometimes Volander still had trouble grasping the fact that his father wasn't still in the studio, surrounded by the smell of turpentine and oil paint. The house in Lüderup had been sold after his death. Volander had driven past it a couple of times since then, and seen that new people were living there. He had never stopped the car and taken a closer look. From time to time he went to his father's grave, always with an inexplicable feeling of guilt. These visits were getting less frequent. He had also noticed that it was getting harder for him to visualize his father's face. A person who died eventually became a person who had never existed. Then there was Svedberg, his colleague who had been so brutally murdered only one year ago. That had made Volander realize how little he knew about the people he worked with. During the investigation, he had uncovered a more complicated network of relationships in Svedberg's life than he would ever have been able to dream of. And now he was on his way to funeral number four, the only one he didn't really have to go to. She had called on Wednesday just as Volander was about to leave the office. It was late afternoon, and he had a bad headache from concentrating on a depressing case involving smuggled cigarettes. The tracks seemed to lead to northern Greece, then went up in smoke. Volander had exchanged information with both German and Greek police, but they had still not managed to arrest the smugglers. Now he realized that the driver of the truck that contained the smuggled goods probably had no idea what had been in his load, but he would end up going to jail, at least for a couple of months. Nothing else would come of it. Volander was certain that smuggled cigarettes arrived daily in Eastot. He doubted they would ever be able to put a stop to it. His day had also been poisoned by an argument with the district attorney, the man who was filling in for Per Akason who had gone to Sedan a couple of years ago and seemed to be in no hurry to return. Volander was filled with envy whenever he got a letter from Akason. He had done what Volander had only dreamed of, starting over. Now Volander was about to turn fifty, and he knew, though he had trouble admitting such a thing to himself, that the decisive events of his life were already behind him. He would never be anything but a police officer. The best he could do in the years leading up to retirement was try to become better at solving crimes, 
and pass on his knowledge to the younger generation of his colleagues. But there were no life-altering decisions waiting for him. No Sudan. He was just about to put his jacket on when she called. At first he hadn't known who she was. Then he realized she was Stefan Fredman's mother. Memories and isolated images from the events three years ago rushed back in the space of a few seconds. It was the case of the boy who had painted himself to look like a Native American warrior and set out to revenge himself on the men who had driven his sister insane and filled his younger brother with terror. One of the victims had been Stefan's own father. Belander flinched at one of the last, most disturbing images of the boy kneeling by his sister's dead body and crying. He didn't know what had happened afterward, except...